The Oil Can Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that oil and ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? And Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and then shows you all the best last-minute deals. Prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app, discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And it's not just for whatever city you're in. It's for if you're if you're traveling, you're an NBA, NFL. MLB, NHL fan in another city and you're flying there, you can pick up tickets there as well. The app is simple, quick and easy to navigate. Uh, head to the App Store or Play Store now. Download Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Alan Mitchell, delighted to be with you, and thanks for joining us. And I'm joined by Daniel Nugent Bowman. Daniel, how are you? I'm well, Alan. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been. I, I'm sorry I missed you last week. I, I had all uh, everything set up and ready to go, but technology hates me, so it didn't work. But I, I know you and John uh, did a great job on the podcast, and it's good to be back. We managed to, to truck on. I think I think we did okay, but it's good to have your uh, your leadership and your and your uh, you know pleasant voice back with us or at least back with me i guess john's not here well, i don't know if i'd call it leadership <laughs> but I, I i don't have as many bad jokes as jonathan so I, I i think i'm okay there fair enough uh let's start there was a, a few things down at the rink today uh including obviously koskinen being the uh i think he's the starter he was in the starters net today but the 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 big thing was alex chase on moving up to the top line uh, the idea being, I guess, you want to get him going a little bit, and it's been a while since uh, Cassian has scored. One thing about Tippett, though, he doesn't really tip his hand very, very much, if you can pardon the pun there. Uh, I didn't see this coming. Did you? Uh, no, not, I can't say I did. I mean, the, the offense has been, you know, a bit drier uh, in the last little while. I mean, they did they did score a bit in Columbus, but Detroit and um, and Pittsburgh were, were not offensive uh you know, games where they, they scored a lot anyway, by any means. So um, it might be a good time to, to try a little bit of a, of a change up here. Uh, Chase on, as you mentioned, could could use a boost. Um, you know, Cassian might be able to bring something to a line, uh, you know, with Nugent Hopkins and uh, uh, on the second second unit. So, I you know, um, I think he's he doesn't have a lot of, of, of choices to kind of work with as he kind of massages that, that lineup, especially uh, with the, the guys that need to be in the top six um but this could be a good opportunity to, to try it up and you know it's a you know critical part part of the season for for the oilers um obviously the, the first month they had a some some pretty it was a pretty light schedule for them and this is a, a, a crucial time so um I, I i don't know i like it i like i like the fact that he's trying some things and we'll see how long it lasts um i mean he's he's kept uh, mcdavid and dry together which is probably the most notable thing and kind of see where it goes after after tonight or even during the game tonight because he could switch it up. But um, what do you think about Cassian being dropped down? Well, I, I think with Cassian, he adds a little speed to that to that second line. And I also think that, that you know, Tippett, 
they're, they're trying to wake up some guys, I think. Kara, Jajar Kara has played a little bit better here. Gagne, when he moved up with Nuge, got a little push there as well. I think they're trying to get some guys jump-started, and it might be Chason's turn. The other thing is, and, and you know, you, you might have some insight into this, because I know that Archibald is skating, uh, Nigard is closer, Shahan should be really close, Yurcho also available. So when everybody comes off the IR, there's going to be a couple of bodies heading out. So... Uh, it's important for for these players to to have some success because uh, I imagine Cave will get sent down, and I'm not sure about uh, who else, whether it's Yurcho or or maybe Patrick Russell gets sent down. But there are jobs, uh, you know, on the line here, uh, and not necessarily for Chase on, but uh, for some of these other guys. I think Carr got hot or hotter uh, at the right time because there's there's going to be some movement here just because guys are coming off the IR. And there, uh, not so very long ago, there were a few guys like Marcus Granlund who did get healthy scratched that you wondered about. Now Gaeta and Haas is uh, back in the mix as well. So um, at this point in time, have there been any up, any updates on the injured guys? Do we know how closer they, how much closer they are? Well, Tibbet indicated today that uh, Shahan um, just didn't get the opportunity for him to, to practice before. So he he, I think if it was say a playoff game or a critical game, he would probably be in. Um, so I would imagine he will play barring, you know, they really crush Arizona tonight and he really wants to keep that lineup together or something to that effect. I, I would imagine that Shahan plays uh, on Wednesday against St. Louis. Um, Archibald and um, um, uh, Nygaard did skate um, this morning and I think they're, they're both kind of getting closer. So you make a, a good point in the sense that there are going to be a lot more healthy bodies and, and somebody has to be sent down. Um, seemed to really uh, seem to take a shining to the way Colby Caves played the last little while. Obviously had a tremendous goal uh, uh, against Pittsburgh, one that you kind of uh, uh, don't expect from him that often. I was joking with him about that today. Kind of, I saw him play a lot in the Western League, and he was obviously a bit more of an offensive player in that league. It kind of harkened back to a few years ago, but... Um, Granlin is the name you, you kind of brought up, and I think that's an interesting one to watch because uh, aside from some, some work on the penalty kill, I mean, at 5-on-5, five five, he really hasn't shown a lot. Uh, obviously, he has the benefit of having a little bit more, um, you know, a bigger contract than some of these guys at, at $1.3 million for for this season. Um, but given that he's already been scratched, he's, I don't think... I don't think by any means is he safe. So um, there's a lot of, of uh, fluidity at that bottom of the of the of the lineup. I, I would agree. Obviously, I don't I don't think Chase on is a, a candidate to be um, uh, to be you know sent down or, or, or moved or anything like that. But um, obviously he he needs to get going and he gets an opportunity on the the top line. But I think in the, the next few few days as, as guys start to come back, um, there could be some some really interesting wrinkles to this to this lineup. And I know you've you've talked a lot about that. In terms of, of bringing, you know that, you know guys from from Bakersfield, obviously, um, the uh, the amount of guys that will be here will will probably kind of limit that. But what do you think the the bottom of the lineup is going to start looking like here? You know, say next week as as guys start coming back. The the key I think is the the centers. The the Granlund has played in the middle quite a bit, but I do think they like Caves' utility and uh, with Shahan coming back, you've also got Haas available. So. I think if they decide to go with, say, Shahan um, with Kara and Archibald as they did earlier, or maybe Gagne, that's that's sort of that that you know 
heavy checking. Well, if Gagne's on it, it's not a checking line, but a heavier line. Uh, and then the fourth line, it, it comes down to Haas because if, if Cave plays, then I think you can, there's any number of ways you can go. But I think they want to see Nygaard speed somewhere. And that's why I think the the uh, the, the chase on experience experiment is so interesting tonight because Nygaard has enough speed maybe to play on, on the second line with Nuge. I don't know that he would, but he does. He could. And I think this, this chase on opportunity is a chance for him maybe to get, you know, a little more offensively involved. The, the, the players that I see, the two guys that I see maybe on the fringe, you mentioned uh, Marcus Granlin and I agree there. That one is, is I know they like Patrick Russell, but the longer I see him play in the NHL, he seems to have that disease of all guys who are, he does everything right. He four checks, he back checks, he penalty kills, does everything right. But I don't know if he's going to score very much. And that that's sort of the where the rubber hits the road here. He's had some, I will say this, I think he's had as many chances as any of the other fourth line wingers have had. He just can't cash. And so that's the, that's the concern I have there. The 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 other thing I wrote about this on the weekend is with the Condors. Now Tyler Benson scored a couple of times on Saturday night, so maybe he's going to start pushing. But the the sense I get from the Condors is that they didn't have a terrific October. None of the players is really standing out. I think Gombardella is hurt now. Everybody's sort of either running in place or or maybe slightly poor performance wise than they were a year ago. So even though there might be some pressure at the NHL level on, on guys like Patrick Russell or Granlin, there doesn't seem to be a lot pushing up from Bakersfield. What are your thoughts on that? No, and exactly, exactly that. And, and especially since the guys that you um, really are in, intrigued to see here, uh, I don't think there's any rush to get them there. And, uh, and that being, you know, um, Benson, probably Cooper Marodi, uh, certainly Ryan McLeod, um, those guys are going to be there for uh, at least till Christmas, as Ken Holland has said, and maybe maybe longer too. So, uh, you know, then you're you're really splitting hairs. I mean, like, you know, then you're looking at you know guys like uh, Gambardella, M- Malone, um, uh, Josh Curry, like these types of guys that had little cups of coffee with the, the Oilers last season. And are they any better than any of the guys in the bottom six? I doubtful, but you might want to try one one guy here, one guy there, if there are injuries or if somebody is really struggling. Um, Patrick Russell, you're right, he's, he's not going to score much at this level. I, I mean, I can't see it. Um, but if he continues to at least be a little bit more noticeable than a guy like Granlin uh, on the forecheck, uh, in the corners, the, that type of thing, and, and he does kill penalties as Granlin does as well, um, that could at least, you know, maybe keep him around if not in an everyday role on the team uh, you know as one of the regular 12 then at least um making nhl money as a you know 13th or 14th forward so um russell i think uh his spot for now i think is safe but i i do see where you're coming from in the sense that um he's not going to bring offense uh, gaytan haas is another we've talked about him at length on this podcast in terms of you know how how 
much more time they can give him. And, and of course, that balancing act where he's not uh, going to play in Bakersfield for, for an extended period of time. He will go back to Europe. He's talked about that with, with me and other members of the media. So um, I think they want to give him as much of an opportunity to uh, see what he can do at the North American level. You know, this is a guy who's, who's coming over uh, for the first time. And, you know, at, uh, I believe, 28 years old, that's no easy task. He's, you know, had to get used to a whole different, um, you know, st- you're grown up in a whole different style of, of play and in a completely different environment. So um, I, I would think you, you want to give him as much of a leash, a leash as you can. But at some point, when everyone is healthy, uh, and if he's not the, the the guy that kind of fits into your, you know, your 14 forwards, you know, you may have to let the chips fall where they may. But um, in terms of the Bakersfield guys, as, as we were kind of led this, uh, you know, topic off with, I, I think you're, you're probably going to want to let um, those guys in Bakersfield kind of feel out the season, and especially the guys that you want to see up here, um, let them play until at least Christmas um, and, and really see what they can do. Um, Benson, I know, has, has come on a little bit of late, but uh, um, I think you're probably uh, you know a few weeks away from, from him kind of rounding his game out. This is the Oil Can Podcast. I want to tell you that it's a busy week. We are recording Monday afternoon before the Arizona game. St. Louis is here later in the week and then New Jersey. Uh, check out the Blues information with uh, We Went Blues podcast, uh, courtesy Jeremy Rutherford and Barrett Jackman. That's the uh, probably the toughest podcast in terms of NHL. When you got Barrett Jackman on your podcast, you're probably nobody's – everybody's promoting the hell out of your show just out of fear. Uh I wanted to talk though before we get started on this week, which is a big one at ten, uh, with, with three games at home against you know some inter- varying degrees of difficulty in terms of opposition. The team is ten four and one after fifteen games. The possession numbers look a little wobbly, partly because of a couple of games, Philadelphia and the most recent one against Pittsburgh, getting outshot badly. But year over year. Tippett has done something that he has done in the past as well. The five-on-five shots against per 60 have gone from 31-21 a year ago to 29-12. So they're about two shots less per 60. Now, the, the, the goaltenders have been great. I think they've been the big story here. But probably giving a little bit of uh, accolades to this defensive group who are kind of cobbled together after Larson got hurt, uh, not a bad idea, right? Like they've... They nurse and, and bear seem to have settled in now that Pearson's back with Kleppbaum. They're they're looking like a solid second pair, or at least a, a better second pair than Kleppbaum Russell. And then Russell with Benning have been been pretty good as well. What are your thoughts at right now about how this defensive group works as we you know sort of matriculate towards Adam Larson coming back and being a part of the group? Well, I really like Pearson being back um, among the amongst the top six. Um, not necessarily because he's he's really shone or, or made a huge impact, but I just like the length that it gives this group. Um, getting Russell back on the third pairing on his on his you know strong side, um, you know team up with um, with Matt Benning, I think makes a pretty competent third pair. And you know I think Pearson's kind of had a tough start to his NHL career where um, he's you know he missed the first game or two with the with the shoulder injury and then you know missed a few more with the concussion so you know you'd like to really see him get a nice batch of games especially with with a solid partner in in Clapham and and see what he can do um if I think once that happens you get a better obviously get a better indication of 
who and what he is as a, an NHL player, but will probably allow him to be a bit more uh, confident and, and see what you know how he can grow in that role. Um, and then, yeah, the Bear um, Nurse uh, pairing I, I, I've liked mostly. I mean, they're I, we talked about this in the sense that Ethan Bear is probably playing a little above his above his head, given that he's a, a rookie and being tasked to play these really tough minutes. But kudos to him for for hanging in there and 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 filling in very nicely, you know, in a role that was supposed to be Adam Larson. So, um, you know, when when Larson comes back it, again, I don't I don't think that's imminent by any means, but um, that could, you know, there could be some nice pieces on that, on the defense with the way that they're playing. I mean, maybe you want to leave Ethan Bear with, uh, with Nurse and, and have go back to Clefbaum and, 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 uh, Larson as a second pair. Um, or maybe you, you go back and, and switch that up. There, there's some, some different opportunities that I think it allows, um, Jim Playfair, the associate coach, and, and obviously Dave Tipp, Tippett to kind of tinker with there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, for the most part, they've played all right. There again, you you mentioned um, the Philadelphia game, the, the Detroit game, or sorry, the the Pittsburgh game, where they were really uh, seemingly caved in, and, and the possession was was very one sided and not in their favor. Um, but I think for the most part, they they've been all right. Uh, again, easier schedule to start the year. We'll see how things really pick as things pick up here in the next little while. But um, I think if if the defense had perform the way it has you know going into the season I think fans would be would be overly pleased with that don't you think yeah I I'm you know I I have to say that that this year like I I almost wish the record is such a big deal and so people are are less open to uh, they're very defensible I find other fans right now very defensive because the record is I think better than the team is so you end up you know if you make any criticism at all people get a, a little bit um, defensive about it, but I think there are real legitimate growth areas. I'll give Ken Holland all kinds of credit for getting the James Neal trade done and the Mike Smith uh, signing. I think both of those have gone very well. I still like his bets on Negard Pearson. Well, Pearson wasn't his bet, but Negard and, and Haas, and I like the bet on Pearson. But I think there's also room to talk about how they're bringing along their 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 kids bear won a job that was there and available but it wasn't his guaranteed and now he's played really well the games that he's getting now like he's up um with i think he had 17 or 18 two years ago and now the what'll be the 15th tonight so he's about 33 games or so by the time he gets to 40 45 games even though he's still a rookie he'll be a little more established a little easier to bring somebody else along whether it be Lagason or Caleb Jones who I understand he's lighting it up down in in Bakersfield the 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 Parison plus bear uh bringing them up to NHL speed at the same time that's that's a lot that's a load and I think that Nurse and Clefbaum and and Russell and Benning have done a really nice job there of of helping out the the young players who are really learning how to to deal with the NHL speed and and size in real time but I'll give credit to 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 Bear and and really to Dave Tippett I think you know it's this organization has had a lot of really talented young players fail and and part of it is coaching, not just at the NHL level, but Woodcroft in the AHL did a nice job. And then they come up to the the NHL, and and it, it feels like Dave Tippett just puts them in there in a in a role that he feels they can can establish themselves at, and it it seems to be working. This is as a longtime observer of the Oilers and how they get players to the NHL. The success rate is not high, so adding Ethan Bear has been a big deal. 
getting Pearson in there and adjusted is a big deal. We'll see about the rest of the group, but um, I I got to tell you that I'm I'm pretty impressed with Ken Holland on two or three. Not every bet has has uh, succeeded, and I know there's a lot of fans who are still very down on the third and fourth line options. But if you add up Neil and and Smith, and then the the entire management and coaching. Uh, coming to grips with the the idea of Baron Pearson uh, taking on the, those right side minutes, I think there's been a lot of growth on this team, and I I think the one loss record sort of uh, 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 because they've done so well. There's a lot of credit being given out to to Drysaddle and McDavid, but there are problems being solved on that right side defense in real time, and I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly, but it looks like they might have two NHL players there. Yeah, and especially as you mentioned, they're they're doing it both on the right side. So it's not like you're bringing in one, you know, one in the top four and, and one on the left side or whatever. It, you're, do, you're essentially they're the, the top two right side defense defensemen with um, with Larson out. Now I, you know, granted, um, Parison again has been hurt and hasn't played a lot. Uh, also. You know, they haven't been able to get him onto the power play, and he isn't killing penalties. So while he is taking uh, you know playing with with um, Oscar Kleppbaum at at um, at five on five um, he's his, he is being sheltered a little bit uh, especially when it comes to the special teams and the amount of ice time he's he's been given but still you're you're bringing in two rookies uh, you know the youngest being 22 and bear um, Pearson being a little bit older at you know 25 but they're you know they're still rookies you know like Pearson hadn't played at all in the NHL bear with the, just a cup of coffee two years ago at the end of a losing season. So um, they're essentially coming in, um, uh, you know, with a clean slate. And, and that's, you know, it's a lot for um, a coaching staff and a management team to to really have to to work with. Um, and, and they've 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 done well considering the team is, is 10-4-1 and through 15 games. Again, um, we'll see we'll see how how things kind of go as, as the schedule gets gets uh, gets tougher but I was really and have stated a, a lot that I, I was on board with what Ken Holland has done in terms of you know leaving a spot open for uh, for a defenseman to take uh, as you mentioned that spot wasn't guaranteed to Ethan Bear and it probably wasn't he wasn't favored to get it you looked at you know Caleb Jones with the experience he had last year um, maybe even Evan Bouchard but but they left a spot open see who could uh, take advantage of it and it was deemed it was Bear and so far he's been been pretty good so uh, the the bottom of the lineup I don't think there's a lot to say in the you know in the positive column but they're all on one year uh, contracts and uh, you know with the exception of, of Kara um, and you know if they don't pick it up or they don't perform in the way that the coaching staff or, or Holland teams worthy enough like they just won't be back and um, they're all cheap one-year contracts so um, so far you know there hasn't been a lot of that's worked out but there's they don't their hands aren't uh, their hands aren't tied as they move forward and try to, to try to build this team. So um, you kind of, this is a, always a, a transition year for, for this team and, you know, anything that they can, can do if they could actually, you know, squeeze into a, you know, a playoff spot, that's an added bonus. Uh, but it, it's all about kind of growing this team for a year or probably two down the line and any decisions that they make that aren't handcuffing them is 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 perfect in my uh, estimation. Um, the last thing that they wanted to do is get tied up into long term contracts for guys that they weren't sure about, and Holland didn't do that. So 
was just a lot in that respect to be to be pleased with. By the way, I wanted to talk uh, to you about this. I think I've got this right. I might have it wrong, but this week the Athletic is doing a deep dive into all things NHL culture. Uh, local and national writers across the entire network have great stories on everything from biggest wine snobs, art collectors, trash talkers. Some of it's already out. Some to come. A look at diversity in hockey, the culture of NHL nicknames, and more. Uh, I wanted to because I remember you and I chatting. I think it was last summer about NHL nicknames. So my question for you is: uh, Is that why we were talking? And are you involved in this NHL culture series that's uh, coming out? Jeez, I don't even remember talking to you about nicknames. I think we've talked so much about so many different things that that uh, that slipped my mind. Uh, no, I'm, so I'm not involved in that one, but I am involved in this in this uh, culture blitz that we're doing. So I have uh, my stories ready to go, and I'm not I'm not sure when exactly it will be running, but can look forward to that. I think it'll probably go this week. I think the whole the whole thing is going uh, uh, this week. But yeah, I think Katie Strang. Uh, and a couple of other editors really took the the lead on that, and I, there's some some great stories that have already come out today, and uh, there'll be more again coming out this week, and it's an exciting package I think for for the athletic and the subscribers. So um, keep keep uh, keep an eye out for everything, and and if you can't read it all in one day, just keep bookmarking and, and get to it maybe over the course of the weekend or something. But there's a lot to, a lot to uh, kind of focus on, and again I have a, a very small part to play in that as well. So um, looking forward to everyone reading it and, and hearing feedback it, it hurts me that you don't remember that conversation but i'll <laughs> i'll i'll nurse my injuries in private um i did want to ask you because it was around on the weekend i think uh chris uh johnston mentioned it i, I think i have the name right uh at sportsnet talking about uh yes yarvi and the rangers uh i had a look at their their roster and their minor league system and it's funny because there's. I really like Leah Sanderson as a as a player, but he's the number seven overall pick. You wonder if the Rangers are are willing to give up on him first. But it feels like with this uh, um, tournament coming up in the next while, in uh, where Yesopoljarvi will represent Finland, I think this story will either reach a climax and he'll be traded, or we'll forget about it until June. Is that how you feel about this story? It's either going to climax now and then and be the story and get the trade, or we're going to revisit it in the off season. Well, yeah, December 1st is the, is the deadline, right? He needs to sign, uh, you know, sure doesn't sound like it's going to be with the Oilers, but he needs to sign with an NHL team by December 1st, uh, late in the afternoon, uh, to be able to play it all the season. So once we get past that deadline, uh, he can't play in the NHL, and, and it, you know, might be a you know a couple of, of instances where um, it'll be brought up. You know, perhaps around the trade deadline, where he could get he could get traded to a, probably a team lower down in the standings that is you know ready to uh, welcome him for next season or something to that degree. But I think you're you're mostly right in the sense that. Um, you know, once it gets past that deadline, or if it gets past that deadline, um, he kind of becomes an afterthought for this season, uh, and rightly so because again he can't play. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what what plays out in the next little while. Uh, Ken Holland is leaving middle of the week, as I understand, to go uh, to to uh, I think it's in Finland to, to check out this tournament uh, that Puliarvi will be playing with uh, the national team uh, in, and um, yeah, so I mean the something's going to have to happen if it's going to this year in the next few weeks. So, uh, you know, my sense of it is, I mean, Pooley doesn't want to come back to Edmonton. Um, he He's playing, from everything I understand, been playing very well in, in, in Finland. But again, that's a league that 
you know, it's, it's not nowhere close to the NHL. It's not the AHL. It's not the KHL. Uh, it's probably not, you know, I think there are some other leagues that are probably better. Maybe the, you know, the Swedish Hockey League, as I understand. You know, it's it's a little bit further down compared to what he's obviously been playing mostly um, at in the NHL with the Oilers. So um, it's kind of hard to gauge, um, at least it would be for me, uh, what, you know, that, that really translates to in the NHL. Because a lot of it with Pooley RV is I've, the little bit I've got to know him. And it's hard to get to know him because of the language barrier and uh, all that type of thing. But he really strives on confidence. And so, you know, he could be playing very well in in, in Finland um, and then come back and have two or three really bad games and that confidence just gets shot with him. So, um, you know, I... I wish him you know nothing but the best in that regard but I, I I don't know how you really um how you take what he's done in in Finland and, and how that really translates to the NHL so I mean it only takes one team to to really like him um and and want to uh give up an asset or two to get him and, and that's what Holland is banking on because he's stated time and time again that he's not going to uh give up a player um, with the, you know, former fourth overall pick, uh, as Pooley Arby was for, you know, a bag of pucks. He's, he wants something tangible to bring to, um, to the lineup and to the organization. Uh, the Rangers are an interesting, uh, team. And to me, I don't think he could fetch this, but if they could, if Holland could take a first round pick out of the Rangers, I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. I was thinking about that, um, yesterday, uh, after hearing uh, Chris Johnson's report on Saturday, just thinking about the Rangers and, um, you know, this draft, as I understand it, is pretty deep. The Rangers are not a, um, a team that will probably make the playoffs. So if you could snatch a lottery pick uh, from from the Rangers and, and get maybe somebody who could be with this team in, in two or three years as they're really coming to actualize, because, you know, the, the Oilers at that point could really use some guys that are that are tangible um, and, and key contributors making, you know, entry on entry level contracts or, or making less than a million dollars when they have guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and potentially Nugent Hopkins who needs a new contract, um, making a lot of money and, and again, justifiably so, but they need guys, uh, you know, in that situation, uh, making not very much money. And so if they could get somebody in, like from the Rangers or another team, um, that kind of fits that bill. Uh, to me, that would be the perfect trade. But uh, um, yeah, I, if I had to guess, I would I would say Pooley RV uh, spends the whole year in in Finland. That's purely a guess. Um, but I, I think the next obviously three weeks or so will will really kind of uh, um, see what what happens in that regard. But um, what do you think about about Pooley RV and, and the possibility of him either going to the Rangers or or that type of thing? Yeah. As far as the the trade is concerned, I think the Rangers might make a lot of sense. It's a a big city, and and uh, probably get lots of uh, support there. I think the the next key for him is going to be the coach because it, it feels to me like, and nobody will say it, but I think this is a it's not a coachability thing. I think he's very eager to learn, but sometimes people learn different ways. And and uh, I remember when Neil Yakupov went uh, from Edmonton to St. Louis and to Ken Hitchcock, and I'm like I. I I really didn't think that would be, you know, I can't Hitchcock's a hell of a coach, but I, I think you, you almost need somebody even younger 
uh, as a coach, somebody who's a mentor type, uh, like a Woodcroft in Bakersfield, if he were an NHL coach, that kind of thing. I think that I think the message for Yesopol Yarvi uh, has to get through, and I think that's what it's all about. He's he's uh, he's got mild mountains of talent. He's a talented guy, but as you said, it's he, I think he gets down on himself. And I think that he loses confidence, and then it's you're dealing with a different player. And in the NHL, you just can't have that. You can't have a guy who, who you, you at the very least, you have to go out and do what Patrick Russell does every night, which is Patrick Russell may not be the most talented guy, but the coach knows exactly what he's going to get. And Pugliarvi has to reach that point. Even with all of his natural talents, he has to be consistent, and he's never been that. And I think his next coach is going to have to be a real teacher and mentor and be able to to reach him we want to tell people to rate and subscribe on apple the show url is theathletic.com forward slash the oil can you get 40 percent off your subscription when you use that uh, now are you going to give us a high rating daniel or are you going to give us a low rating mm, i would say high okay. yeah I, th- I think we've done a good enough I, job. I, I think i, I think I, can, I think we can give you a high I know you gave John a huge rating last week, so, you know, there's that. (laughs) Obviously. Hey, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Oil Can Podcast. Podcast.